Ah, uh, yes. I love that, it. Is, that is the workshop back there. The career workshop? Yeah, I need all these tools in order to help people with their resumes and their cover letters. And, you know, you really got to take things apart and put them back together, you know? Uh, Martin, you're so, uh, so punny. Ready to roll? I got some tabs open, Martin, so I can show things later. I mean, I like it. whatever you I like want, it. Martin. Thank you for being number two on the Career Therapy Podcast, the very unprofessional professional podcast uh, where we're just kind of throwing it together and talking about careers with folks who are, or who in my mind have been, have had very fascinating ones um, and who have actually had quite an impact on my own career. Uh, So the last one was with Brent Zemont, who uh, he was the first person I think I like really networked with in college. And I had this like really embarrassing moment where I got hot chocolate at Starbucks when I met him because I had no idea what coffee was or how to read all the menu items or order or anything. Um, And then you and I met through Startup Institute. Um, So that is how I became a coach. Um, That was my very first like official coaching gig, pretty much, yeah. So um, I know you had some ideas of things you wanted to chat about career-wise today. The way I want to maybe kick it out, kick it off is to start by just thinking about like, what has been your approach to defining your career? Um, Whether it's been like haphazard, whether it's been planned, what have been some surprises? I had the opportunity to think about it early because I had taken some courses in college. I had like a, a leadership minor and one of the courses was we would read books about you know, people talking about how to like design your life. So I think I knew that it was possible to do that. But to be honest, um, I just don't think consciously I knew enough about what, like who I was and what I wanted and what would overlap with that. So uh, truly, until I was like, honestly, until this, this current job search, I would say, uh, and I've I've done a lot of cool things that I really like, but I would say it was kind of just happened up until now where I left undergrad in undergrad I was like really involved in student government all that stuff so all my mentors were working in what you call you know like student affairs so I went and got a grad degree in that uh, which was a cool gig like you work on campus they pay for your master's usually but then I graduated and I was like oh I don't want to do this um, and then I went abroad and I found through a series of again coincidences this thing called Startup Institute, which was an early, you know, career and technical skills accelerator for adults. Uh, and I went through as a student in marketing. And then I think just through conversations, they realized, oh, you have a little bit of an education background. Would you want to go and run the education portion of the program in Chicago? Um, and I said, yes. And, and I, the reason I get that far in the story is I remember opening up a journal that I had written when I was in either grad school or late uh, college that listed out the things that I thought I wanted in my career. And I said, you know, I want to make about $60,000 a year. I want to be able to do something with technology, something with training, uh, and then to get to travel like a little bit for work, like once or twice a year. And I had totally forgotten that I wrote that. And then when I read that whilst working at Startup Institute, I was just like, holy crap, that is, that is literally the thing I am doing now, all four of those checkboxes that I had written, you know, five years prior and not really kept thinking about. 
and it kind of just happened. So I guess my answer, and that's a long way, is that I think that there were probably things subconsciously that I had identified um, and that were just kind of turned me on from an energy perspective, but I wasn't consciously able, uh, I, I, I didn't, I don't know, I just, I didn't attach to them consciously. I was able to write them that one time, but I didn't plan things. Like I went and taught English in Chile. I did this thing in Boston. You know, I was kind of all over. So yeah, I would say uncon like unplanned, but there was some stuff bubbling up in terms of what I knew I liked. That's really fascinating. I think like it, what's that one book where they're like, set your intention and like you, you, the future will happen. What, what is that book? Uh, it's the like secret the secret, like right? Yeah. yeah. I've never read it, but it's like um, that whole concept of like, if, if you just put it out there, things will happen. I, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that, but I do like the idea that I do believe that writing things down is 100% a way to subconsciously like imprint. And so um, that's crazy that that happened. And so um, it was nuts. If, if you were to sort of backwards kind of, uh, let's say you're, you're, you're doing like a, a post-mortem now on your uh -huh. career, right? You're looking mm -hmm. backwards and trying to connect all the dots. What do you think were some of the subconscious things that became conscious? Like what were some of the actions that that drove you to? to do over time that led to the outcomes that ended up happening. Yeah, I, I think, and, and to be honest, I, I'm struggling with a little bit of this now as I try to pick the right thing. I think it was that I had identified a number of those pieces separately as things of interest. Like I want to make some money. I love technology. I like education. Like I like moving around. But, and so, so I think even consciously that had bubbled up, but I, I hadn't figured out a way to put them together really. So to answer the question, I think like I was making decisions consciously that would fill one of those. Like I went to Chile and taught English for like eight months after grad school. Okay, that's the education thing. Then I got accepted into this technical training program in Boston, Startup Institute. Okay, that was clearly technology. Um, and then the, once I got there, the people realized that I had this education background and they suggested, honestly, I don't know why, this is, sounds probably kind of stupid, I, it never occurred to me whilst working at Startup Institute, or sorry, whilst a, a student in the boot camp, one, that I could work there. Uh, like, I don't know why, it, I was never like, oh, this would be a good fit. Uh, but like, they kind of suggested that. So I guess to answer your question, I think it was making decisions in line with at least pieces because I knew I was interested in. And then like, it's like, once you make that move, then when you get another signal of what you're interested in, you're already at least fulfilling that one part. So it, it felt like, I guess what kind of what happened is it became cumulative and it kept snowballing uh, because I wouldn't ever intentionally go in a direction I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to go like into education, you know, then into technology and then, oh my God, they let me combine them both at Startup Institute. So I think it was just as far as I could process in my brain was like, I was making a little decision at the time to get a little bit more of what I liked. Um, you know, and that, and that's, that's kind of what let me do. It was like a, just a little bit of the window into the subconscious, I guess. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And, and like being able to eventually and, and like finally merge those things together. Were there any moments where you almost went off the rails and almost went in a direction that would have taken mm. you away from everything? Totally. Um, when I was finishing startup Institute and so I'm gonna take off my jacket cause yeah. I've been having some tea now. So I'm warming up. Um, it's also that kind but, of a podcast, you know, just exactly. It is. It is heating up, you know. Um, I know, you know, when I was finishing Startup Institute, um, 
I had met a mentor there who I really liked, this woman named Laura, I think it's Kratchnikova, who ran a really cool agency called like Scratch Digital. Uh, and she offered me a job and she was great. I really liked her. Uh, it would have been an opportunity to go into like the digital strategy realm, but like, you know, learning to write better, analytics, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that would have been cool, but I, I mean, I, there's just no way I think I would have liked that work as much as what I did at Startup Institute. I wouldn't have gotten to meet you and so many other people, you know, who have ended up really uh, being, a, I think, a big part of my community and then honestly, like my understanding of what I like. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely an opportunity. Um, you know, I think that's probably the biggest one because after that, you know, then I did the Startup Institute thing, you know, for about two and a half, almost three years and then went to one of our big hiring partners, Click Studios, which was a digital agency and was there until for about four years until let's call it three months ago. Um, and I think there, the opportunities to derail were more like internal. Like I wasn't really like looking at other jobs per se, but I could move into different parts of the company that might not be a good fit. And, and those are a little bit easier to undo because you're still in the company, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're not like, okay, you're fired. But I think in these companies where Click is def was operating as, as many like more kind of modern companies are trying to do in these really flat hierarchies, like they don't want any level of management or anything. And so you move around a lot. Uh, in like in in like new roles, like Google kind of does it too. They can't promote everybody, so they have to keep moving people around. Right. So I think that was something that I learned there was like, oh, I can kind of move around and try things within this environment, um, and I don't have to switch jobs. And and I just think I don't. I'm sure that's not available everywhere, but I do think that was a huge learning was that you know there are times when you can experiment uh, within a company as opposed to having to move roles. Um, you know, like, you know, there were times I knew when it was time to move startup institute, you know, for a number of reasons, uh, to leave there, but at click, I think I started to learn that, you know, there were opportunities to really try new things. Like, you know, whilst there, I did everything from, I managed our hiring. I probably hired 20 people and did, I think I counted once I did like over 500 phone screens. Um, you know, I sold a bunch of our work. I ran an office, you know, you know, did the education stuff. So I was able to try all that stuff. So, um, that's a, I'm sorry, that's such a long answer to no, your original question, but um, I think it was just, you know, understanding over time that you're going to be able to try on the things you like and try to keep combining more of them. And kind of like, uh, for me, I think it's kind of like the snowball rolling down the hill. I'm like trying to add more to it. That's a good fit for me because if it's a good fit for me, you know, it's usually going to be a good fit for the company. Do you feel like with that experimentation, um, and being able to do so many things, do you feel like that's helped you gain more clarity and focus? Or do you feel like that's given you so many experiences that now you're not quite sure where to focus? I think totally the latter. So I think less clarity. Um, I, and again, maybe a little of the first also. Like, you know, because sometimes when you're testing, you learn things you don't like doing, which is mm -hmm. great because that is like a really easy thing to move, remove off the list. Mm -hmm. you know, I, and I think you know, everybody learns that at some point in a number of searches, whether it's job search or dating or, you know, whatever, uh, it's really important to also know what you don't want. And so, so I think the testing is great for that because I will never forget those things and I don't have to think about them. The challenge actually for me, and the reason I said number two, uh, is a mix of one, yeah, you end up liking a lot of things. And so then you're like, oh, can I only take broad roles? Um, 
but at least then the choice is still yours. The piece where it feels like the choice is not yours and that is challenged about those types of roles is that it becomes hard for other people to understand you and your skills. So when somebody looks at my resume or I talk to them in person, I have to do a lot more work to explain what I can do and what I'm a good fit for. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you were a you know digital marketing specialist and then a marketing manager and then the you know senior marketing manager, people are like, I get it. You manage digital marketing campaigns and you know you're relatively good at it. You know, so so I think that's the challenge, the biggest part. I, I'm able to deal with the ambiguity of me knowing I like to do multiple things because like that makes a lot of sense. We're human beings, none of these jobs are like innate human jobs, you know, like, I don't, you know, it, like, these are all cultural artifacts that we are dealing with. And so it would make no sense to me that there is just one. So, so anyway, so that doesn't freak me out as much as it is challenging. And I don't want to derail anybody else by giving them a, a, a kind of rosy view of the world. It's very challenging to have these broad roles because then when you go somewhere else, you have to try to explain it to them. Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing for me too, as a person that's on hiring is I need, let's just say I need a hammer, you know, maybe I'm hiring a designer, but I think the tool analogy is nice. Yeah. You know, it's like hammers look for nails, you know, cause that's, they're, they're hitting those. Like I'm looking for a designer. I want the box of designer. Um, and, and so the easiest thing for every hiring manager to do is find the person that just in the most, uh, you know, obvious way fits the mold. And so anytime you're trying to play outside of that game, um, there's rewards, but there's, there's challenges too. Mm -hmm. I do like that analogy. It's like they're, they're sitting there with a ton of lumber and a ton of nails and they need someone to put it together. And then people come in and they're like, I'm a creative and I really like to think outside the box. And it's like, we need you to build a box. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah, it's like, like oh. okay, so now we've got a disconnect. And I think that disconnect a lot of times, um, it comes from a, a, a sort of a like um, a split mindset that happens in the job search. I think uh, when you go online and you start researching like how to get a job and like figuring out your career and all these different things, you're told to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of like understand who you are, take personality tests, go figure out what your passion is, um, put your like list together of what you don't want to do and what you do want to do, write your ideal job description, all these different things. And you do this all in like a silo in your brain without ever putting the client or the company and their needs into the picture. Right. And this is, I would make the analogy to like a, a startup that's like, I have this amazing idea for an app and they just run off and they build the app, but they've never talked to a customer and they've never um, yeah. done any like, researcher or testing or anything like that and you know you're someone who who's been at companies that's all about testing and research and things yeah. like that so like how do you feel like with that in mind where do you see sort of the the human side like you said as a human it's not weird for you to see all the different aspects of what you enjoy to do enjoy doing and and being able to be 10 things at once internally but externally when you actually go to market go you know so to mm -hmm. say, what, what, how are you translating that? Like what is yeah. coming out of your mouth or where are you just at with things right now in that whole process? Yeah. I, I well, I, I think that's a great question. But before I answer, I want to connect one thing that, that mm -hmm. at least just came to me was we were talking about being in the company and getting to experiment kind of with your roles. 
one thing I want to point out there is what's cool about that is if you're thinking about like the variables of like all the things you can change in your career equation, you know, what you're doing, seniority for whom. The nice thing about being in the company, to your point, is that variable is fixed. So I know what Click Studios needs. So I can tweak all these other variables mm. while still only even considering things that are going to provide benefit to Click Studios. Unless I'm going to leave the company, which is fine. And I think that's, that's you know, sometimes, and it was the right choice. And, I, you know, and, and again, exited well, and, and I love them. But, but the one point I wanted to make there is, I think, to your point of like, okay, what is your customer, the person that's paying you want? That is the one nice thing of experimenting inside the company is like, you should know what they want and what is considered useful to them. Mm-hmm. And you can tweak your role at the, a lot of the companies almost as much as you want, as long as it's providing as much or more value as you were before. So that's, yeah. so that's the benefit of that route. Now, to answer your question though, um, you know, like where, and I'm sorry, there's kind of a siren, but it'll happen you know, here too. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, you know, yeah. How do I then go to, market with that and, 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 you know, and where am I at? I think uh, the, where I'm at is the first piece is like, you know, I've been through a couple interview processes now that, you know, I've, I've been, uh, you know, like not in a full-time role for probably four months. And I just say that because I was technically unemployed, but then you pick up contracts and then, and then it's just too hard to explain. So mm-hmm. uh, anyways, in that time though, as you know, going through role, the interview processes, you know, I, I think I've learned a couple of things. Like one, there's some things that like I still had to let go of that like seemed cool and exciting to me, but then I realized I actually really don't want to do that. And, hmm. and, and like, and, and I really wouldn't be probably good at it. And they were things that were probably, I, I like technology a lot, but what I realized is, and I do like even understanding it, I don't need to be the one building it, but I love communicating about it. I love understanding what value is it really going to provide and for whom, how we can get it done the you know quickest. I don't necessarily need to be the one like coming up with some wild long-term strategy, uh, you know, to build some product that we don't really even know the customer yet for. Um, so I learned a lot of things just in like one of the places I was interviewing in terms of, you know, turning it into the market language was in product management roles. Um, so I've learned a lot in those three months, four months, just about, the different types of product manager roles. Mm. I didn't even know they existed. Um, and, and I think as I talk with folks about more and more specific areas, one of the things that I have learned is that inside of the areas that I, I'm interested in, there are more specific ways to talk about things. So there are, for example, these implementation product managers who are really like their job uh, is to make sure that like once we kind of have a sense of what we're building, that it's going to be built on time. We're not going to have any issues. It is what the customer wants, as opposed to these other product managers doing more strategy work. Um, so my point with that is just one: I've had to learn that, like which parts of product am I interested in, um, and then two, like that's one way you can go about it is by like what is the market asking for. Um, the flip side that I have been thinking about, honestly, from feedback from our mutual friend Jen Yi. He used to work at Startup Institute. He was the, the, the big boss. Uh, was that, you know, another way you can think about your job search is based on, okay, what skills do you have? Not necessarily, you know, you kind of have multiple ways of starting, but two could be, what am I interested in? And I look for those things. And then mm-hmm. what skills do I have and can prove I have and look for those? And when I did this one, which is just a suggestion she gave me recently, it was like, okay, 
most all my skills are in the interpersonal domain plus some technical things, which has changed the role search a little bit. I'm, you know, talking to a couple of people more about sales and implementation roles. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, so like, I, I, I think you can probably tell based on the length of this answer that it's still fairly open-ended. Uh, I'm still having to search both in interest areas. Like I took a call with somebody about a role at a solar company, just cause I think solar is really cool and, uh, specific roles that I have experience in, but you know, so I think that's, that's part of it. Or like, if you're going to, if I'm going to try to fit into a role, that's available. It's that route. If I'm networking my way into the company, then I think I have a lot more room to do the, look, these are my skills. Do you see an opportunity for somebody like me in the company? Um, and those are just two different job searches and uh, that you're, I'm trying to maintain in parallel. Yeah. And, and I would even add in like, there's the question where you said, here's my skills. Does that fit into your company? It's like, your company has this problem. Here's the five skills that I'll bring to the forefront to help you solve that. That's and, better. And um, I like that. I'm what I'm, I'm kind of hearing from you is like a, a big theme throughout a lot of what you're saying is that you're not, you're not personally identifying like you with that role. And, yeah. and that's very different than what I see a lot with most people. They're like, I'm a developer and that's who I am. Or I'm a designer and that's who I am. Or like, I'll even say I'm a career coach, but I try my best not to get wrapped up in what that, that like could become an ego thing, could become too much of a self-identity. And then if I ever have to change out of that, like I, I think I did that when I was in marketing. I was like, I'm a marketer. I'm Martin the marketer. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like, it was my identity. I approached life with a marketing mindset. And it was in one way really empowering because I felt very strong about what I did. But on the other hand, when things got tough and I wasn't feeling so certain about marketing, yeah, I felt like the whole crushed. world was falling apart, right? And so were you always kind of this able to keep the title and the job separate from your identity as a person or has it kind of gone through fluxes? That's a good question. I think because I've always had, uh, at least since grad school, right? Like sure, in grad school, I was a student affairs professional, right? I was in grad school for that. That was all I was doing. I was being paid for that. Uh, like that was probably it. Once I moved to Startup Institute and I was in this like kind of startup world for a while, um, I think I identified, I think my identity was around being a like productive owner thinking worker that would just like do whatever and like as much as I could think like an owner and try to add value to the company. Um, and there's challenges with that because if I feel like I'm not being rewarded for that, like that is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to respond well. Um, and there's challenge with that now in the job search because yeah, like again, as I said, I, yeah, you, I, you're totally right. I don't identify as a, a marketer or a HR professional or a product manager or a, you know, I don't know, program manager. And I've had every one of those titles. Um, so, yeah, but I, but I think it's more an artifact of just the type of career that I've built. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Again, I think if somebody else wanted to have a really broad, broad career, then like, you know, and do lots of different things, then 
this approach might make sense, but you know, there's a lot of roles where it doesn't. Like again, if you're in a position, a, a, a role type that has a very clear hierarchy and opportunities for advancement where you are and you like doing it, there's a ton of benefits mm -hmm. to being a defined quantity. Like it really like there may be more benefits to doing that. It's just that that doesn't suit my nature. Uh, you know, and so, you know, and I, you know, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. So, so that never suited my nature. So I guess I yeah. would just put it that way. I don't seek, I, it would be nice. I've thought about it at times and it's challenging. It can suck. Um, this is the most natural way that it's occurred for me. And if someday I end up with three roles in a row with the same title, then like, you know, maybe I think over time your identity would change. Like, I don't think maybe people do, but I think it's more, it's very rare. And I would be skeptical of people intentionally changing their identity. Mm -hmm. I think more often than not, it changes over time. And then you're just like, oh shit, I'm a, I'm a marketer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I do find it interesting because you had said the phrase, I'm trying to fit into a role. And I think that that's like, it's smart because companies, a big thing that I think people get wrong about the job search when it is very me focused in the exploration side of it, which I think you do need to do the exploration to figure out what the heck you want. But then you have to switch over into what problems do I solve for other people and go out with that like sales message rather than like, you have these problems, I have these skills, these skills solve those problems, let's work together. Versus I have a problem, which is I don't have a job and you have money and are looking to hire so I need you to solve my problem of not having a job, which is a very common mindset that I see out there. And it's yep. definitely not the one that you take. And so what are your thoughts on that perspective and like how people might be able to change it or how you've maybe seen it? Um, I don't know, maybe it's popped up in your head or you've seen it kind of take conversations in the right or wrong direction, the way that you approach things. Well, I think the first thing there is like, you're going to have a much more of an opportunity to have that kind of a conversation where it's like, okay, you know, these are my skills and, but, but this is how I can use them to actually help you, the company. If you're able to connect with somebody at the company, that's, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to typically a recruiter. Um, and, and I don't have any issue with recruiters. Yeah. Again, I think they're working super hard, but I think you do have to keep in mind their job, depending on where they're at is different. Their job mm -hmm. is to get, lots of interviews set up. Um, yes, they do get compensated when somebody gets hired, but a lot of them, you know, like they're, they're not stupid. They do the math and it's like, if I just get more interviews, eventually, you know, I'll get people in the right role. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I do think you've got to kind of keep your audience in mind. If you talk to somebody that's the hiring manager for the thing, um, then yeah, I think what actually what you said is, is really smart, which is like, you know, understanding from them the problems they're having, um, you know, and then, you know, if it's in fact true and you got to be careful and not that you're not just like selling to sell, it's in fact true that, yeah. you know, you say like, Hey, I, you know, I have these skills and I'm happy to provide kind of examples of when they've, you know, been, been shown, but that will be able to help with this problem. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, you know, I think, uh, any, hiring manager if, if you get the opportunity to talk to them like that you know would respond well um in the times when you know i've been able to move you know so yeah i'm going to pause there and not, not continue that that ramble too long but uh, yeah i think if you can talk to the hiring manager or somebody that actually is in one of the roles 
you, that type of a conversation is a lot more effective. You know, I think recruiters have different roles and they're just trying to get people in. And if mm-hmm. you are, in my experience, if you are a square and they have a round hole to fill, it's not their fault really. They just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, so, so, so that's why I mostly try to find people to talk to at the company and, you know, I use LinkedIn and I'm happy to show that later, but to try to find people there and then, you know, send messages and kind of ask questions and hopefully get to the right person. Yeah, that's huge. And that's the, the recruiter thing I always find to be interesting because I, I know a handful of recruiters and agree they're working their butts off. And yeah, it's uh, a hard job, man. It's a tough job. And um, when, but when I talk to job seekers, they're, when they bring up recruiters, they think they're being proactive in their job search. But really what they're trying to do is outsource it and I'm like, so you are outsourcing your job search to someone who you are not paying <laughs> to do your job search. So they're getting yeah. paid by the company and you're hoping that they're going to do the job for you of selling you into that company, but they have no vested interest in you. Yeah. Um, and so it, it end, they end up getting ghosted a ton and they get very down about it. And then they're like, well, I stopped applying to things because I talked to that I talked to that one company who said they'd get me a contract and they never did. And I'm like, that's, you can't shift that, uh, yeah. that responsibility. Um, but I like what you're saying about talking to real people at the company. And, you know, I've in, in, in all the coaching that I do, I'm constantly showing people how to use like people search on LinkedIn and all sorts of different things like that. Um, but what is your approach? I know you've been doing some pretty interesting things on LinkedIn and, I mean, just your nature is to be super connected. Like you're remembering people's names that I, I'm terrible at remembering names, right? So like, I'm always fascinated by the way that you approach people and, um, oh, sweet. All right. We're pulling up LinkedIn. We're done. I was going to, no, I love it. Down, it's great. So you. like, um, I mean, you know, the first word in your profile is people. So, yeah. um, what is your perspective on how to connect with humans? throughout yeah. the job search, because I do find it to be very difficult for most people. Well, I think the first thing, you know, goes back to the words you said, which is people, and, it, you know, that it's going to be different. You know, I, I, it is just truly part of my nature that, uh, like, you know, I, I know you mentioned names, and, like, I'm not great with names either, but, but I am really good at remembering uh, things tied to people. So, like, I'll remember weird things about Martin and Jen Yi, who I already mentioned once. Uh, I won't forget their names because I know them, but even, like, more tangential people, like, it's just in my nature to remember the things that people care about. And then, yeah, occasionally, you know, like I literally had somebody ask me today, Hey, can you, and I'll just, I don't mind telling you, um, but like, Hey, can you connect me with Dave Hoover? Who's this guy that wrote a book on software apprenticeships. I'm thinking about starting a company around that area. So I just sent Dave Hoover a note. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't remember the last time I talked to Dave Hoover. I, I know that he's a really great guy and was helpful to me when I was looking at apprenticeships and he does care about that topic. I just sent him a note and he, he, he reached out, got back super quick. So I will say one thing, I think period, you know, it's always going to be different for everybody, you know, cause like, how could it not be it? There's that Dr. Seuss quote. I think it's Dr. Seuss, but it's like, you are the most you that any you could be like, like Ooh. nobody else can be you. And I, right. I, I butchered that quote, but if you find it, it will, it will be in this line that like, you kind of just got to do it the way that you would do it. Yeah, um, and that's sure, true. If, if you're like really somebody that, struggles with maybe like some social norms like yeah you still you know you can't be like scaring people or being rude so get feedback but in general you got to do it the way you're going to do it uh for me i think it's been a lot of over time like yeah i try to make intros for other people 
Um, because like, that's always the easiest thing. I'm not even asking for a favor for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm asking for a favor for someone else. So not only do I do a favor for that person, I feel good about that. It makes me look good. Cause like I'm taking time out of my day to ask this guy, Dave, to do something that he probably wants to do because he believes in software apprenticeships to help my friend out. So I do think that's one of the best things. If, if you ever get the opportunity um, and whenever I talk to anybody that's working on a project or is in a career search, I'm always thinking about like, I wonder if there's anybody I could connect them to. And I just search for LinkedIn. Like I had a friend and I'm like, I don't know, I'm not that smart about it. But like, I had a friend yesterday that was like, you know, he's doing some stuff in solar. So like I legit, this is not a good way to do it. Someone's probably smarter than me. Hmm. I legit just searched solar in here and started going through like first contacts, but in second contacts, but I got down to one's that I was able to make a couple intros for him. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know where it will go, but I think it'll be helpful. So I think that's the first thing is, you know, for me, it's based off of over time, trying to connect people when I could, mm -hmm. um, and not feeling bashful about that. Um, so I think that's how I started it. In the job search, I will say it feels different. Um, you know, I think, uh, and, and, and again, I'm speaking as somebody who is like if, if there's like two models of employee, like the ones that have like clearly are inside of well-defined roles uh, and then the ones that are kind of the amorphous things, mm -hmm. I'm the amorphous thing. So I would just keep in mind like my strategies and tips and what I do make sense over here. If you're in the clearly defined role, like in general, job search should be easier because other people won't be confused about what you want. So I have to do more work over here in LinkedIn because of the nature of my career and the type of job search I'm doing. So that's, I think that's a really important thing just to, to, to like pause on really quick, which is if you're trying to do something different, whatever that difference might be, like changing a career, like a lot of people who go through a boot camp, like Startup Institute, where we used to work, if you are trying to make a career shift, and go from like one seemingly unrelated industry into another, you have to up the ante in what you're doing else, like what the weird stuff that you're doing. You can't just say like, like people are like, oh, do recruiters work when I go at, when I graduate a bootcamp? Recruiters work less when you graduate a bootcamp than if you're just going from junior to senior or senior to director. Yeah. That's where it's super easy for recruiters to move people up when you're going yep. from one role to the same role, just slightly higher or a better company or a better pay or something. It's, but if you're going to make a big shift, you got to make a big change in your approach. So I think everything that you're sharing here, especially for the folks that I talk to hundred percent necessary, even if they're not as amorphous, um, the, these tactics and everything you're sharing are really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, and you hit on the, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's like, there's so many tool analogies. I don't know. That's strange. <laughs> it's because you do have tools right behind you. I mean, uh, I'm priming you, right? My marketing yeah, you are. abilities. Uh-huh. Uh, no, but I, yeah, the, the bigger the shift, I, I think the harder you're going to have to work. Or at least that's been my experience. You know, I haven't had to do a job search in a while. You know, and this has been a pretty fun one because I've also had contracts and stuff. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a lot of work. And, you know, most of the job search part is like, you, you do work and you get nothing back. So that's why mm. it's challenging is it's like, it's like going to the gym a lot yeah. and getting no results or, or whatever you want to think about it. But it, it can feel like a, 
a little bit of a zero sum game where you're like putting in effort and you get zero back until you get everything, which is the mm -hmm. job. So it is just that way. Well, and um, I think unlike the gym, it's just harder to see too. Like we are actually getting better at our social skills. We're getting true. better at reaching out to people. We're getting, mm. but we don't value any of those things because we don't, it's not like, oh great. Now I've got like a muscle, right? Yeah. We're, we're just like, oh, well, yeah, but I'm, uh, that's not an important skill to me because it's not my coding skill or something like that. So we almost devalue the things that we are getting in that process. I think that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I don't have to think about that more as like, again, I'm doing all this stuff in the job search, just like a lot of your uh, like viewers, at, you know, and yeah, at, you know, some skills are getting built. Yeah, so like I used to go point. and purposely bomb interviews just to see how bad they would be. And then I know that, no interview will ever be as bad as that one that I bombed on purpose. And uh, now I can basically interview anywhere. <laughs> That's great. I guess I've never, I've never bombed an interview, like on purpose. I'm sure well, I I'm a career I've coach, so I'm crazy, but <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, that's, you know, I mean, that's your skills. So that's, that's fair. Like you gotta, you gotta do that stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think there's that. And then in terms of, yeah, I, I do try to connect people when I can. Um, do you ever then, worry, like, sorry, really quick. Do you ever worry uh, that you're going to make a bad introduction? Cause that's going to be the pushback that we get from anyone who listens to this. Oh, well, what if mm -hmm. I introduce someone and they suck and they don't follow up or they don't, or they reach out poorly or they show up bad. That's going to reflect poorly on me and hurt my career. Uh, what would you say to that person? I, I will say, I, I am sure that's happened before. Um, and I think like, and like, sure, the more intense the introduction, the, the greater the risk. But for me, like, that's only really happened once or twice in my life. Uh, and one of the times, like, yeah, I should have known better. Like, because in general, I'll say, like, I think about it before I do it. Like, I don't mm -hmm. always say yes. Um, and, and I usually get somebody's permission before I intro them. Mm -hmm. Like, you saw I reached out to Dave. Anybody that I don't know super well or I'm not exactly certain what the ask is going to be, I ask that person first. So. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't worry about that a lot. Um, I think there is more, there's a greater likelihood that just period doing it is going to grow the garden and, and the network and, and generally be better for people than I think it's going to be uh, harmful either to the people you're connecting or to you. So I don't know. I just haven't I, had that be an experience. I agree with that. And it does sound like you have a couple like checks and balances prior to just saying, Hey, here's a person. So I'm right on board. Totally. And, and again, I think that the, the times when people get anxious about it is when they feel like the person is selling something, um, you know, and it, that can even be themselves. So it can mm -hmm. still be hard for me to ask for the, myself, um, you know, because they're trying to run a objective hiring process, uh, you know, and in some ways, like you're trying to get an interview in, you know, in spite of that. Um, so, so I think there's some of that there, but in general, I think, you know, if, if you reach out, you know, I've usually had people want to connect. Um, not always like, you know, if I went to my like messages, like, you know, you know, like some people don't respond. I don't know. Like, right. I, you know, I've got dozens of messages and some of them are still my message. And I think you'll find too, like, you know, like, you know, a lot of times it's going to take people a while, um, both during the holiday, but also because, and this is the, the thing that I think it's actually helped with my psychological health a lot during the job search is like, I am in no one's like top couple things they need to do today, mm -hmm. unless they are literally the person hiring. Mm -hmm. Everyone else that is like, I'm trying to get to help me out or to make an intro, like I'm not even, I wasn't even on their radar 
until I reached out to them in yeah. terms of things they needed to do. So I, it does help me to like keep in mind, like all these other people are doing this on top of their job, on top of if they have a family, on top of their lives. So it, it does help you, I think, not take things as personally because yeah. like, that's really hard. I find I, I think that's hard in the job search. That extreme empathy is really important. Just even if it's in, and, and people say, but what if they are ignoring me? Well, then they are and like, let it go. And, and uh, I actually was ghosted by a company uh, that I later got a contract with. Um, they like ghosted me after an interview. They're like, we need to reschedule. And then they never rescheduled. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And I, I ended up finding out the reason I got ghosted was because I ended up working with those people, you know, much later on. I was like, oh, this person like struggles with anxiety. So they were just like avoidant and they just never responded to the email. That makes sense. I've done that. And I'm like, yeah. well, if I've done that to people and they've done that to people, and there's nothing to be mad about. And I think I like that you're talking about the psychological side of it because um, one, one of the things that I've learned over the years too is once I send something out, I basically forget that I've done it until either a notification I've sent pops up to remind me that I need to follow up again, yeah. or I, it's just gone. It's just forever gone. And I don't care that that person didn't get back to me. And I don't even remember that I reached out. Is that kind of the same approach that you're taking? Yeah. I, in, I, I definitely think that's the case. And then it's like, you know, look, the more you like a company, like, yeah, totally. There's a company in Denver here that I was really into and they're like in the education space. And like, I, I knew somebody that worked there and their B Corp, like all these really cool stuff, uh, you know, and I got connected, but you know, they hired someone else for the first role. And then like, I haven't been able to get a hold of them for all the, all the other things. And I've reached out to multiple people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, it's tough. Um, I, I, but you know, and like, I didn't get feedback. Like, but you just like, I don't know, like it was really hard. And I will say it's, it's hard. And it's, it, for me, it's like a one-to-one -one relationship. The more I like the company and I think it's interesting, the harder it is to not obviously get that role, which makes so much sense. So more than anything, I think, uh, you know, I did get frustrated about it. And like, I had to like keep myself in, in line, you know? Um, How did you but, bounce back? I think, I mean, some of it was like, I just started applying for other roles. Um, I also like continued to poke people, other people at the company. So that may not be wise, but um, you know, I'm very nice in the way I reach out. So I haven't like fully given up on that, I guess. But then it's also like, you know, some of it too is just like with time. Like I'm, I'm somebody that like, if I can get like a little bit of time past something, whether it's a, a defeat of some kind or a bad day or a breakup, like I, I do think that time heals a lot. And mm. just like, so, so I guess, yeah, for me, it was just like forcing myself to do other things. Um, this was the only way to do that. Um, you know, and just knowing like, well, I can do what I can do, you know, and that's it. And like really in the job search, especially, um, it is tough because you know, you have to keep pushing yourself, you know, like and apply to a certain number of jobs or do a certain number of meetings, whatever your thing is, but whilst also only being focused on the things you can control because mm -hmm. in the job search, man, it feels like a lot is out of your control, Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and you just have to let it go. When focusing on what you can control, I know you and I are both fairly active LinkedIn users. And so are there any things that like you would recommend folks think about when it comes to LinkedIn or things that you've done that really stand out? I mean, I had, and I think, I think I must've clicked off it cause I'm silly, but I, I mean, I will say, I think 
and it's not so much because it was useful to me afterwards. It was like I had, I got a couple of good conversations going afterwards, but I'm trying to figure out how do I see my activity? I think you go to you can activity. See, like, there it is. There we go. Hot. Um, I'm not, you can see, like, I, I don't look at my own activity a lot. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I think that like, I, I did take the time and I think this is probably always worth it. Like, you know, I took the time to like, write out and then link to all the people that had done uh, informal interviews with me, um, actually interviewed me, intros, given me feedback. Um, and to be honest, I forgot some people and then you thank God you can edit LinkedIn posts. You can always go back and add them or just say, hey, I forgot, I didn't have space, whatever. But um, I think that one, uh, yeah, a number of those people then reached out. Two, other people, right, that are connected to them you know, sent me messages, uh, you know, and again, I, I didn't get like a job out of it, but I got a number of good leads. And I think probably the most important thing is like, it made me feel better about getting all this free help from all these people. And again, I think in the job search, a lot of the struggle is like maintaining and dealing with your own psychology. Mm. Um, and so for me, because I am going to continue to need other people to help me in the search and help me find the right thing and give me the opportunity to at least talk to somebody. Uh, I have to feel like I am deserving of that, which means I have to give people gratitude first. Otherwise, I don't feel like I deserve the help. I won't ask for the help and then like it's not going to happen. So, mm -hmm. so I think that's just probably in line with my style of job searching um, was that, yeah, like a lot of people have helped me. I try to go out of my way then to thank them. And I, you know, I write them personal notes also, but I think there's always good stuff to be had there. If you can make time to thank people. Um, so like, I would say that's a good tip. I think that, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or somewhere else, I do subscribe to those like kind of like RSS feed things where it emails you when certain companies post a new job. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I did miss out on a couple of jobs that just like I was late to applying and that sucks because it's like, you know, that was in my control. So right. I, again, I think if you can keep going back to that, you know, I, I do all the other stuff that people do, you know, I have like a spreadsheet of jobs I applied to people I need to reach out to all that kind of stuff. But I do think for me, it's, you know, it's all about the people I can talk to learn from, then I have to go synthesize that information myself and I kind of keep tweaking my process. But, um, you know, in general, it's, you know, really been about trying to focus on the stuff I can control because yeah. there's just in the job search. It's just, I don't know. I think it's really, I, I find it very challenging. Uh, it's exciting because I get to talk to a lot of people I haven't talked to in a while. But it's also challenging because uh, I don't know, like I don't have to wake up at a certain time tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I can do whatever the F I want. I mean, I have to get on a plane tomorrow for a thing, but uh, you know what I mean? You, right, right. You know, and most people have never had to do that before. Most people who find themselves out of a job have never had to like make their own schedule. And I've, yeah. been, I've been in and out of entrepreneurship full time and I'm an entrepreneur again. And yeah. like, I just started scheduling 8 a.m. I'm going to be doing live videos on LinkedIn every single morning just to force myself to have a consistent start time to the day. Because sometimes I'll like yeah. get up at seven and then start working at 10. And I'm like, what the hell did I do for the last few hours? I do think, yeah, in the job search, just while you're, I do think another challenge for me is that you end up spending so much time in the browser mm -hmm. uh, and the browser is a window to all things you know, some of which are useful and some are not. Like I know a lot right now about the Iran, you know, US conflict because <laughs> I just keep opening freaking Google News. I need to stop. Uh, so so I will, I, I do think like 
I, I, I have had those days where like, I legit don't know what I did today. It felt like mm-hmm. I was doing stuff the whole day. Um, and I oscillate back and forth. I'm not like wildly overscheduled where like everything's going to be on my to-do list, but I also do need to accomplish a couple things a day. So, you know, that's a balance. But for me, it's like, you know, I'm generally applying to at least one job a day. Um, I am talking generally like on the phone with at least one person, usually two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, you know, going through all the emails that I've sent or gotten. So that usually is stuff for other people. And then, so like, those are three or four things that are always happening. Yeah. And then I'm exercising every day. And it's just That's because, smart. you know, that, that last piece again is a big part of my, you know, psychological health. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, again, I do find, I just did. Yeah. I, I, I know I've said that a couple of times. It's just, it's a, it's a challenging psychological role to be in, uh, to be in the job search process, especially yeah. the, to the extent that your identity is tied to being a worker. Um, and like, you know, because it feels like you're not as valuable. So, you know, I think everybody has to kind of watch out for that when you're in the job search roles. Yeah. The, the things I'm taking away from what you're saying is number one, you have to be active in your search in some way each day. Number two, you have to interact with real people because if we're just in the isolation mode, we're going to go crazy after a while. And number three, we have to move. If I'm sitting on this stool all day, every day, I'm going to go absolutely nuts. So uh, I think those are huge takeaways for like mental health. And then I also want to double down on what you did here in this post, because I think, you know, being grateful and saying thank you to people and remembering to do that because we do have to kind of force ourselves to remember to do that sometimes. Um, A lot of times the job search will take three, six months to a year and you might talk to a hundred people in that year. Like it might be crazy. And, uh, And that's actually probably a low number for folks like you and I who are pretty big networkers. And I think what is so interesting, and this was something I heard uh, from a totally different um, world, which I do think the dating world and relationship world is a hilarious like yeah, mirror comparison. to, to yeah. the job world. But um, someone had a podcast where they were talking about conflicts and in relationships and how you'll go to your friend and you'll complain about your partner and you'll say, here's all the things that we're arguing about right now and I hate them right now, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then you'll go home later that day and you've gotten everything off your chest and then you and your partner actually like resolve the issue and you're all happy again and you're moving on with your day. But their friend never got the resolution. Yeah, right. They think that you guys are still hating each other. They think they're <laughs> three true. years from now, they're going to be like, these mother effers are fighting every night. And I know that they never resolve that fight. And but so what this podcast was saying was go back and tell your friend you resolve the conflict so that they can have closure too. And I think the same thing applies to the job search. If we're out there telling everyone, I'm trying to find a job, can you help me? Can you make introductions? I can't tell you how many introductions I've made and never gotten a thank you or a follow-up or what happened after, did you ever reach out to them? Did you ever meet them? Did you ghost them? Did you get a job with them? I literally don't know. And I'm guilty of this as well, for sure. But it's something I learned at Startup Institute. Um, I think Lisa told me. uh, She's like, you always have to close the loop with the people that helped you. And and I think doing things like this, saying thank you, sending out these messages, and closing that loop is incredibly important. And it's something that I think most job seekers, because they're so stressed out, and then once you get the job, you're so stressed out just trying to get started, you just completely forget all of that. Um, Totally. And so, it's like, I'm looking at this list now and I'm like, oh, I got a couple on there that I got <laughs> to reach back out to. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So I know we're coming up on the hour here. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that you've learned a few things being on the hiring side. And I think that that's a unique a unique experience that not everyone's had. You and I have both been on the seeker side and the hiring side. And I'm curious, um, as we kind of wrap up today, um, are there any things that you would want to share from the perspective of a hiring person that you think would be incredibly helpful for someone who's trying to find a job right now? Mm -hmm. Aaron, that's a good question. Or maybe even just sharing what the experience is like for someone who's trying to hire a new employee. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, one, you know, it goes back to that empathy piece. Uh, you know, and we talk about the idea of empathy and customer research in pretty much all, you know, jobs these days. And I think, you know, as you're trying to think about the hirer, um, you know, one, some of it depends on, you know, what their role is. So keep that in mind. Like I was a hirer who that was not my only job. Like I was doing a bunch of other things. So, you know, I, most my people. role. Yeah. Right. You know, versus again, let's say somebody that's like in a recruiting role that it's going to, you know, have to do the first screen mm -hmm. type of thing. So I, I think one, just keeping in mind the incentives and challenges that that person is facing um, should at least give you a little bit of an opportunity to not take whatever happens personally. So I think that's one. It's like, it's always a lot easier to understand it's not personal when you understand the issues the other person's having. So I think that's the first thing is like, you know, the more you can understand what it would be like to be in their role. Like if you're the, if it's for the hiring manager, like I'm talking about all these like product owners that are like senior product owners and like they're drowning in work, uh, like 55, 60 hours a week. So like not seeing their kids. And now they have to do an extra five hours a week to do all the interviews to hopefully be, have a better future. That's 40 hours a week or 45. Like that's crazy. Cause now they were already at 55. They were drowning. They got approval to get somebody to help them not drown but they're going to drown even worse in the short term because they now have something else to do, AKA hiring. So I do think that the, the more you can understand that and where they're coming from, it for sure has that first effect of not taking it personally in terms of how it's going to make you a better job seeker. Uh, I think it allows you to do things like when you're reading through the job description um, to actually better contextually understand what they're saying. Um, you know, if you really understand the pain of a product manager and the, you know, the hiring person for this, and you're reading through a job description and it's talking about, okay, writing stories, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. I think it would, it gives me a much better opportunity when I'm writing cover letters and things to understand what they really care about and like mm -hmm. where I can actually help them. So I think that would be the biggest thing is just like, as somebody that's hired, is that, you know, like, okay, what are you actually, like, how are you going to actually make my life a little bit easier? And then I think the second thing is if you can get a sense of at the company or for the person, the the things that they uniquely care about um you know either from someone else at the company or just even from the way their description is written um i did i did always feel like as a hirer you know the people that were and again and i, I say this because this is my nature i'm somebody that responds really strongly to energy so if someone else is coming in and they're really excited about the role they're excited about the company like i respond really strongly to that and i don't want to speak for other hiring managers that was always a really big benefit for me. So my point there is just that to the extent that you can get a sense of what the hiring manager is like, they're still a person. Um, and the, to the extent that you can figure out like how they really want to communicate, 
I do feel like in all these things, like I know we are trying to make hiring a really equitable, un, um, you know, unerring process. You're still dealing with people and, mm-hmm. you know, people like people that are, you know, going to interact like them. So uh, that, that might be unusual advice, but I've I found it to be true and continue to find it to be true. I love it. Yeah. And being able to adapt to different types of people, I think is uh, the idea of mirroring is super important. Again, that's like, uh, I feel like we're, we're definitely talking about some of the, as I try and think about the folks that, that we're may, might be listening to this, um, like there's different levels of skill within the job search. And, um, you know, if you're at the point where you're terrified to even reach out to someone in network, focus on that before you start focusing on mirroring. But I, I love where all this is going. And I think the big takeaway I'm going to get from what you, that last piece that you just said is the person you're talking to when you're trying to get a job, the thought in their head is how are you going to make my life a little easier? Where I think most people who are trying to get a job are sitting there going, how is this person going to give me a job and make my life easier? And if you're at opposed, if you're in opposed mindsets, you need to be in aligned mindsets and they're not going to change. I want to say one thing just on that. I agree with what you said. I think the level up to that would be, again, really like to the extent, you don't always get to know who you're going to be talking to, but to the extent you do your research, you really need to, the, the answer to what they really care about is dependent on the person and their relationship to the role. So like when I'm interviewing with somebody that's two levels above, they don't care as much about how I'm going to make their life easier because I'm not going to work for them directly. They're concerned probably about how I make their direct reports life easier, or can I add unique skills to the team? Um, and it depends on how rigorous they are with their hiring process. But I do think there are times when that's not, it's not exactly true because th- that is true for the person who you are going to be reporting to or working mm-hmm. with. So I, I just want to give that nuance of like, you know, the CEO doesn't care about, like, they're not thinking about how you're going to make their life easier. They're like the last culture check and just like making sure that this isn't going off the rails and it's a communication to you that this is an important hire to them. So so I do want to just keep the critical thinking mind on for everybody of like, you should be thinking about depending on the person that's interviewing you and their relation to this role, what they want to get out of it. And it's not, I think it's usually, how is this going to make my life easier? Because I think we're optimizing machines, but I just think there's sometimes where it's a little bit different. Absolutely. Well, Brent, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Good luck with where you're taking things in your career next. And uh, just want to give you, uh, or just say thank you so much for being our second guest here and sharing so much both on the hiring side and the job seeker side. I think everything that, I mean, you've always been inspirational to me uh, as I've worked with you at Startup Institute and seen the stuff you've done, especially at some of my lower points where I was in between things and trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. And I was like, you seem to have it all together. I'm going to go talk to you. (laughs) And so... Thank you for uh, hanging around, man. It's, it's just yeah, been dude. awesome knowing you. Totally. I think that's a good ending point as well. It's like, I've never really thought of you as somebody that was like having a low point. I, I, I know that everybody does, but like on the outside, everybody looks like they have their stuff together. And so like, I was like, man, I don't, I can't, like, I can't think of when you were like, oh, I had, didn't have my stuff together. Martin, All right, well, we'll talk off air on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. All right. Have a Thanks, good one. Guys. Thanks so much. Sure.